0: From the hey, afternoon.
1: can you please check your mic? Testing No, is it on? <laughs> oh, it's not on. Oh Maybe.
0: Uh Up is on, right? Up is on. Up is on. We're going to start from our model. One better fill with the shortest substance. The drugstore's market says it's the road. Inbounded every vein in Swiss liqueur of H. Vertu and genre, it's the floor. Once Zephyrus <laughs> ache with the sweeter breath, it's speared out in every alternate. And the toddler croppers in the young son, uh, his half course. uh <laughs> No, I, this is Canterbury Tales. Okay. This is the first 18 lines of Canterbury Tales I think, memorized uh, I back in high school. I think the mic school. is working. we got to adjust these visuals
1: a little bit because well, this guy he's and, your and this I course a to it wrong. way to project our words. So, yeah, well, good, because no one's going to be able to hear you. You're going to be background noise, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. If you have anything you really want to say, you can let me know, and I will pass you the mic. All right?
0: And I'll be glad to right, the admit that I am working. not an astrophysicist. Are there, are you somebody
1: Are you, where everybody's somebody here on another episode of Real Talk Stories, where everybody's got a story, including this amazingly beautiful gentleman on this amazing, beautiful ship on this amazing, beautiful night and this amazing, beautiful ocean and route to Antarctica? Yes, this is part two of Real Talk Stories live. From Antarctica. So welcome. 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 Welcome, Vishnu.
0: Vishnu is not my name at all. Oh, it mean, could be Vishnu. I mean, I mean I think that's a lot more power than you're granting me right now. What was your name? Because if I was Deep. Vishnu, I would ensure that we had clear skies in yes! thirty six hours. All
1: hail Vishnu. That would be wonderful.
0: I am absolutely here because of the eclipse. Thank
1: God. That's it. Thank God he's not just another random person having to book a trip and get lucky. How many eclipses have
0: you seen total? I don't know if you guys can hear me, but there's someone asking me how many eclipses I have seen total. I have seen three eclipses so far. I've seen 2017, 19, and 20. And 20. Uh, so this is ideally going to be eclipse number four, weather permitting, we see it. Are they all the same? Absolutely you know,
1: not. Okay, buddy. First of all, this guy, nice guy, but we've been drinking some wine. you got to hold the mic like this. Imagine this mic is an extension of your mouth. If you turn it like this, you're going to sound really far away. you got to keep it like this. So Someone you is learning about cardioid microphones yes, out exactly. here. Yes, exactly. Cardio mic. He's correct. That is ding, 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 and the answer is cardio mic. So when you turn like this, it stays with you. Like this. That's a cardio mic. So, Deech, yeah. what was the most
2: spectacular
1: total eclipse that
0: you have seen so far of the three? I'm going to talk about each single one of them, 2017, 19, and 20. 17 was spectacular in the sense that it was my first, and you never forget it. Never forget your first. You, you don't. It's, I'll put it this way. I first heard about this eclipse in 2003 when a group from my local astronomy club in columbus ohio went to watch this eclipse in africa in the year before
1: that was a ethiopia kenyan border yes that's right and
0: they had such an amazing time people they talked about it they talked about the phenomenon that they saw and they ended the presentation with this discussion of well if you guys want to see this this is going to pass through the united states again in 2017 and again in 2024 so, me as young, Mike, that's right. Don't forget that's right. You. Me as a young high schooler back uh, at that time, I remember this. It stuck with me. I've always been into astronomy. I've always been into eclipses. I've never gotten to see a total till that time in 2017. Waited from 2003 to 2017, and I can freely say it was worth every single second of that wait to get to the path of totality in 17 and watch it happen. Where were you? Nashville, Way Tennessee. Way to pronunciate
1: your words, buddy. Jeez. Thank you for pronunciating your words, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it is right. It is oh, enunciating no. the oh, words. no. I've been schooled in my English. Where were you?
1: Because we were there for that one in
0: Wyoming. In 2017, I was just north of Nashville, Tennessee in a small town called White House. And we got there early in the morning. We might have had to break and enter into some guy's yard who was expecting us, but we still had to break and enter into his yard because his gate would not open. Uh, He meant uh, invited legally without knowledge. Uh, uh, It was a legal invitation without knowledge. We'll pass through that little section right there. But we made it to this guy's yard. He came out to hang out with us and he had just come back the night before from running the Leadville 100. The Leadville 100, for those who are not familiar, (laughs) is a 100 mile ultramarathon that is held entirely above 9,000 feet. This man walked it in the morning and thought that he had a bad day at work the prior day. Not that he ran 100 miles over 28 hours over 9,000 feet so we get to this guy's house we set up his family comes out he brings friends over we give them a big talk on astronomy and what we're going to see during the eclipse we hold out a ritz cracker we see the shadows from the (laughs) eclipse getting cast down from it it's a great time and then that was in
1: a an
0: ritz cracker it was was a a, ritz cracker it was an eclipse ritz cracker it was I've got a brilliant image, which unfortunately I can't show you over the phone, of the uh, the partial phases being cast through the pinholes in the Eclipse uh, through the Ritz Cracker. Uh, it's a brilliant picture. Uh, but it works. And then totality hit. And it was worth every single second of th- that So basically what you're weight.
1: saying, Deep, is that you saw the ring.
0: I did. The... It was my first. The diamond ring effect, especially at the end of totality. I could picture each one from each eclipse that I've seen in 17, 19, and 20. And and each of them was equally spectacular in their own way. Uh, That said, my most visually impressive eclipse was 2020. Um, 2020 stood out in my mind for multiple reasons beyond the fact the sun was incredibly visually spectacular. But we still made it to Argentina to watch that happen. We were one of a very few select people to make it to this country to watch it, and we ended up in a in a field that was uh, it was a horse paddock, and there were also very very high winds that day. I mean, it was almost blowing over some people's equipment but we persevered, we stuck through it. Totality came through. Actually about 30 seconds before totality, a cloud moved right in front of the sun, but it was a very thin gossamer cloud. Uh, And it was so thin that you could actually see the shadow band phenomenon cast onto the cloud itself. Oh, I love, I love,
1: you know, those, those reflections when that moment comes when you can sort of see those reflections of the clouds and sort of the atmospheric particles on the ground as it's moving at the pace, at the same pace that the Earth is spinning, and that the sun is rotating, or that we're rotating around the sun, and that the moon is rotating around us, and that perfect sync moment and how it leads into that, is just such an incredible feeling. It's my
0: second favorite feeling
1: next to the actual ring itself.
0: You know, I will say, I'm, one of the most incredible astronomical phenomena that I'm aware of that exists is that the Earth Moon, Sun formation happens to be, as far as we're aware, the only system that we're aware of in the entire universe, where the where the moon perfectly eclipses the sun. The moon is at the exact. Oh,
1: when you say entire universe, you you can't just say the moon
0: because there's
1: a lot of moons. So there are. Let's be a little more specific. You mean that, it's well, the only one that the, the, the it's the only moon that's in orbit around a planet with the sun that that planet is
0: rotating around. Correct. Okay. We, it is the only moon that we are aware of where the apparent size of the moon is the exact same size. I mean, literally, to the hundredth of a degree, depending on the place in the orbit, of course, When we can talk about that later. But to the hundredth of a degree, it is the only place in the known universe where the moon is the exact apparent size of the sun and we have this absolutely wonderful phenomenon called a solar eclipse that happens and what's why that makes
1: why that would have to be so rare is because it would have to be both s- correct in size as well as in distance
0: from each other that is correct Do, you know hey I, two for two i'm not going to throw numbers out there because i don't whoa, know what's my heart but let's just say the moon is X distance away from Earth and it is Y distance wide. Yeah, let's wide. just go with that because people don't like big numbers. Exactly. The, the sun just happens to be X times a million further away and Y times a million larger than the, uh, than the moon. So that exact ratio, because of how it works out, is, this, is the cause of this absolutely fantastic phenomenon that we could hear on Earth called a solar eclipse. And it just happens to block out just enough of the sun's light that we can see this magnificent sight known as the corona around the sun.
1: You gotta you gotta just a little more yes a little a little more emphasis kind of here because you're you're pulling it far away and then you're turning and it's gonna pick up it's gonna pick up uneven
0: audio. We'll uh that's perfect we'll make sure these levels yes. don't get messed and up
1: and before we go further I just wanna I just I know I know Billy wants the mic real quick so people know that you're not just some random guy on a boat talking. You are a professional
0: chicken counter.
1: No. <laughs> that may be also correct. However, I said astrophysicist.
0: I was incorrect. The correct, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't click down. The uh, the truth is, I'm an aerospace engineer. Aerospace engineer. That just so happens to count chickens for a living. As it turns out, chickens can't fly very well, despite my best efforts. Well, luckily you live in Georgia where there's lots of chickens. There are an enormous amount of chickens. I literally bought a house and it came with a chicken coop and chickens. That's, That's cool. I could use the eggs. I eat a lot of eggs. Dude, if
1: you want the eggs, I made a deal. I've never collected a single egg. The guy that lives there doesn't collect the eggs. Apparently they're really good eggs. And I talked to the neighbor because technically the neighbor put the chicken coop on my property. And I was like, hey, buddy. I know the last people that owned this house weren't like that aware of property lines and rights but your chicken coop is encroaching on my property so technically i own that chicken coop as well as the chickens in it but i want to be a good neighbor and i don't just want to be
0: like you know so, so how about you so can- let's be clear you basically did what happened in world war ii and just annexed his property into yours <laughs> no, I see no no how no this no 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 okay no, no, no. okay
1: no we attempted to annex my property into his before it was my property by
0: putting a chicken coop on that property let me tell you of a book called the rise and fall of the third reich i think that's very pertinent to what's happening right now and uh with the chicken coop yes but the, the chicken no. coop is an is an analogy for the sudetenland
1: well well basically i said you know what you can have your chicken coop you can raise your chickens however if i ever want you have to give me
0: half the eggs. And by chickens, do you mean the people of Sudetenland? And will point pa- oh, no. And I'm we'll call now. it good. So all he right.
1: said, he said, he said, okay, deal. So if you want chicken eggs, all I'm saying
0: is I can hook you up. All right. Chicken eggs is good. I'm all I'm all I'm passing to Billy.
1: I'm going to go take a PP Rodriguez. I'll be right back.
0: PP Rodriguez. Billy, let's hit it up. What's going on? So
2: the four most important words that Keith said were that we know of there are trillions of universes and planets and stars and moons that we don't know of
0: that is absolutely true having the same phenomena that we are enjoying here that is absolutely true and i will freely concede that point there are a myriad of possibilities that exist within this universe you know there's. One of the most humbling things about astronomy, the more I learn about it, the more I study it, the more I view things in the universe, is that the more you know, the less you know. There are so many possibilities as you expand your consciousness to to, to understand what's going on out there. You learn things you've never thought of before. You learn of planets and galaxies and, and phenomena that, that, that you didn't know if they existed. And, and yes, while it is almost 100% guarantee that there's some other planet out there in the universe that experiences the same phenomenon, we just don't know of it yet. And the same parable can be applied to life on other planets, can be applied to any, any constant that you could think of that, ex- that could exist somewhere else, almost certainly does. Have you run the probabilities? No, I'll leave that to a guy um, by the name of, I believe it was Frank Drake. Because uh, he came up with a great equa- equation called the Drake equation that has run the probabilities on intelligent life else from the universe. Um, so I let him uh, take care of that particular component. No relation to Sir Francis Drake? No, 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 no. Uh, the, the, the surname is the same, but I believe uh, that's, that's about it. How about, uh, can you speak to entropy, S1? Do you believe in it? Well, with everything that we know about the laws of thermodynamics... Um, The second law does dictate that we all do gravitate towards a state of homogeneous entropy, and that that seems to hold true in every measurement we've done so far. Does that extrapolate to the ever-expanding? It does. So um, there is the postulate, if the universe is expanding the way that it does right now, um, one of the the possibilities for what's going to happen here. Um, unfortunately, it's rather bleak. It's the, the heat death of the universe. The universe expands so far that it just gets to be a dark, cold, and desolate place. And that's kind of it. But not in the next 10 years. No, I think we've got some time for that. The, uh, the, the, the possibly foretold heat death of the universe is um, very, very far away. Okay, okay, uh,
1: okay. Most people are not concerned about what's going to happen. They want to know
0: what's going to happen about forty-eight hours <laughs> with the, with the solar, solar eclipse here. We're we're
1: actually looking at, we're actually looking at closer to twenty-eight hours.
0: That's true. We are currently at twelve thirty-eight and right. forty-five seconds, uh, and we've got. 28 yeah, hours Yeah, less go. than 28 hours 20, to go. 23 hours and 56 minutes. Ah, uh, not quite. That's the sidereal day, and then we've got a little bit more than that.
1: Wh- why do we have a little bit more than that? Well, totality is a 407. I thought
0: it's only 12:40 right now, so we got a little bit more than.
1: 20. Oh, 12:40. So we got an extra 27 minutes.
0: That well, not only that.
1: So we've got 24 hours and 27 minutes. Well, plus a couple hours too. What do you mean a couple? Plus a couple hours.
0: Well, if totality is at 407, yes. it's only 12. 40 right now right so 20 24 so tw- hours from now would be twelve forty 40 again right. and 28 hours 28 hours would be which is correct would be However, four and you said 28 27 would be
1: 24 it would be 28 27. Twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Yeah. However, you said
0: twenty-three, twenty-seven. No. just now. Yes, go check your recording I again. I can't check it because then You it's can check it again afterwards. Okay, well, we'll let people decide. I can't I can't, I can't. We'll decide. let the masses so, in the world so decide. So
1: regardless of the inevitable destruction of the human species and the planet as well no, as no, the no. solar No, no, no. Not inevitable.
0: I know the, of a guy. The mo- know you a know guy. a guy? <laughs> I know a guy <laughs> who wants to go to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to take everyone up to Mars. With
1: e and his uh,
0: the first name begin with E and his last name begin with K? Uh, maybe no, no. His last name certainly does not begin with K. A- end with K. Mm, maybe. Okay, maybe.
1: Uh, all right, fair let's, enough. Let's go with that. So first name begins with E. Second letter first name L. I'm not gonna guarantee. Elephant. Anything. His name is <laughs> Elephant. Elephant Rodriguez. Genghis so, Khan. So um, so so, so regardless of Eon and his ambitions to fly anywhere, but to destinations on planet earth um, or back to South America, South Africa for any reason what what would you say uh, is our chance to save humanity in the near future like do we have one because I can't seem to find anyone that's well educated and well versed that has any way that we're possibly going to save our species
0: from at least just complete destruction of the planet as we know it Let, let's talk about the things that we could possibly control in order of the the, the way we could control them CO2. Number one is CO2. Yes. Uh, and I won't just say, I'm going to lump everything uh, under a blanket generalizer. Yeah, generalize cloud of, and lump.
1: People like generalizations and lump. Absolutely. Yes. Because
0: while CO2 is a factor, we have other global warming gases such as methane and whatnot too. Uh, methane is a far more important so, global okay, warming so, gas than CO2 is.
1: So we could generalize and lump and
0: just say, uh carbon and other emissions caused through exactly i would say carbon-based emissions yeah. because of human activity that would be number one um we are probably to be perfectly frank we're probably past the tipping point where we need to be to Lovely. to Lovely. truly sequester the the issues we'll see in the next right right like there was years. there was there was
1: recently a climate summit which some people might know but most people don't because they're probably paying more attention to S- anything else other than that? Free Britney. Is f- she's freed now, so we can no longer say free. Free Britney. She's it's po- it's past tense now. So has been freed. Britney now. That's she's she's right. she's so- the artist formerly known as Free Britney. She's now has been freed. Britney, and you know, speaking in, in sort of I guess the the, the, the past tense, uh, the present tense, and the near future tense. uh, you know what people are not aware of is that there was. In the recent past tense, a climate summit, and in that climate summit, basically scientists said, "Okay, guys," and like you know, scientists, you know, relatively well-educated people in general, degrees and such, and study this as a,
0: you know, generally pro- professional pursuit.
1: Said, "Okay, guys, yeah, we're we're pretty much already past the point of return. Like we're pretty much already there, and maybe if we completely stop all emissions today, reverse everything." And then the politicians of the climate change were like, all right, cool, cool. So by 2040, we'll reduce by 30%. We're good, right? (laughs)
0: What? Yeah. Uh These are the discussions that we unfortunately needed to have about 30 to 40 years ago, you know, because of how the earth tends to take some time to respond to the effects of climate change. Unfortunately, what we're seeing is the effects of decisions that were made back in the late 70s to the early 80s happening now. And we have these precipitous storms we've got these severe weather events and so on and so forth. so there certainly is an argument to be made for mitigating that effect moving into the near future. That said, there there are certainly things that we can do as far as carbon capture and whatnot to mitigate those effects moving on you know limiting those possible impacts for our descendants and so on. the unfortunate thing is we also are more at a whim to things that are happening outside of the Earth as well. So while we have this particularly unique ph- phenomenon of climate change happening here on Earth, the things we can't control, I think, are also equally disturbing in that one of the phenomenon that we have no impact on is solar flares. We could very well be subject to a coronal mass ejection, something of significant volume from the sun, that could disrupt everything on Earth. And
1: that, that that involves a disruption. To be a little more specific, what that would essentially be would be a non-terrorist act of of an EMF. Disruption, right? Effectively, an ENF yes. attack, right? It, 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 it is a it, shutting
0: down all forms of electronic communications. If something as substantial as the CME that happened, I believe it was in the CME
1: is for what? All those that are not
0: uh, aero, the, aero. Uh, has nothing to do with aero or well. Okay, it's space. Engineers. It's not aero. It's just space. It is coronal mass ejection. It is the Ew. phenomenon known more colloquially as a, sol- as a solar flare. Okay, there but you go. But a CME is more of a large solar flare of which there's there's multiple classes of these depending on the magnitude of them. Um, some of your listeners might be aware of an event that happened. I believe it was in the late 80s where a significant chunk of the northern United States and Canada underwent a major blackout, and that was due. To a solar flare that came from the sun, knocked out a substantial chunk of the power grid. So it wasn't the Russians. It was not the Russians. In sure. fact, it was an it was an Telephone. it was an entirely extraterrestrial event that we had no way of stopping or <laughs> mitigating. So part of nor something we could, could we do, have had exactly something we could potentially get better at. The future is getting better at well detecting. We're pretty good at detecting these things already, but hardening. Our power infrastructure and our communications uh, infrastructure, right. to prevent this kind of catastrophe. Right. From I mean, happening. that's cool, but
1: I mean, we're already past the point of no return. So, what's the point of that? Because we're already, right? Like, essentially, well, our I emissions say, are
0: so great, and the destruction we're doing the planet is so severe. Well, I think this comes tangentially along with the 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 impacts that we could do to mitigate the effects of climate change, as far as controlling emissions, as far as sequestering carbon, and so on and so forth. Um, the other component along with that. The third thing that I'm most worried about, again, in in descending order, this is probably what I'm least worried about, but still tangentially is something that could happen, is an impact from an asteroid. Unfortunately, the the surveys that we have of the skies only are able to map out small portions of the sky at any given time. We are trying our best with a very limited budget to survey to see what objects in space are around Earth and what objects could potentially come close to impacting Earth. We've been very good about finding these when they are relatively large and relatively far off. That said, those aren't the ones we need to worry about. When I say relatively large, we're talking about things that are the size of a small city, a Manhattan, a San Francisco, and so on and so forth. That said.
1: Minus the poop in the streets of San Francisco.
0: Well, let's just say that adds to the mass of it. (laughs) We'll go with that. That said, the ones that I'm concerned about aren't the Manhattan sized objects. It's the ones that are maybe the size of a football field or maybe a little bit larger than that. So you're worried about something that's actually smaller? Exactly. Why? Because it's not the size of the asteroid, it's how it hits? It is 100% exactly what you said and it Why would not that be it is not the size it is the speed okay yeah yeah it is yeah, the, the kinetic velocity. energy that it will impart oh, to sure. earth so you could potentially have an asteroid that is only maybe a kilometer it almost sounds cute it does it's yes. a it's a relatively small rock as far as we're concerned it's a small chunk of space dust in the grand scheme of things. It's something that was cast off from the early formation of the solar that's system. That's what I wanted to ask. Something that space. was a, a remnant of these early planetary formations that just didn't coalesce into something and it's just that was shooting through
1: the and, beca- and because there's no gravity, there's no friction or way to slow it down. So it's continually going at the same. Well, speed, there's Blasting of through gravity, galaxy. but
0: nothing is slowing it down in space. Yeah. That's correct. So Uh-oh. we could end up with a potential scenario just like what the dinosaurs faced about 65 million years ago, where you had this small impactor pass by any detection nets that we've already got in place and potentially impact the Earth. Now, that said, we've already started working on measures to see if we can deflect asteroids, and in fact we have an uh, an asteroid impactor that I believe just launched, or is about to launch, uh, that's gonna... Uh, Hopefully it's solar-powered. Ah, well, yeah. Hopefully, it's not powered on gasoline no, 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 or no. petrol we, products we're, of any sort. We're, we're not sending any hydrocarbons into space. We've got we've got better ways of powering stuff in space than hydrocarbons. We do, right? Yes. We'll be nuclear. Well, if any of y'all watched the movie The Martian, and wait, wait, or, wait, no, no, this is literally your area of expertise. Yes, this actually is. So, what is the best way to power a spacecraft? Well, you've the best two options you've got are uh, solar panels if you're close to the sun. Or if you're further away, you've got the technology they talked about in the Martian, and that's already been deployed on many um vehicles we've sent into space. Everything from Apollo through Cassini, which is something called a radioisotope thermoelectric generator. And it's basically a giant slug of plutonium that generates heat through the Peltier effect. You've got hot on one side, you've got cold on the other side, and you generate energy through that. Wait,
1: isn't plutonium like
0: Radioactive and yep. and, and
1: non biodegradable. Yep. So it's basically a toxic yep. waste product that will
0: never. Yep. So wait, how's that sustainable? We shoot it into space, and nobody cares about what's in space. <laughs> it's very simple. If it's gone away from Earth, well, nobody cares about it. Also, I suppose
1: it. it doesn't add to the depletion of the atmosphere because it's not emitting
0: any carbon emissions. Well, so you, uh, I'm not sure if uh, All right. Well, I'm not sure if, you, if if you or the guests might remember, but. Back in, I believe it was 1997 when Cassini was launched. It was 98, somewhere around that, that Nobody time Nobody remembers that. It was back in the 90s. No one was alive Nobody back remembers then. the 90s. No one remembers the <laughs> 90s. No one existed back before the year 2001. <laughs> Pretty much. A Space Odyssey.
1: 2001 was literally when we all started to get our memories. So
0: back in that time that no one remembers anymore... Uh there was a small spacecraft called Cassini that was launched to Saturn and one of the big controversies around the Cassini launch was the fact that they were launching with this giant slug of plutonium that was attached to the spacecraft and there was the possibility that should the Titan rocket not function correctly or crash yeah. back to Earth you would have this giant slug of plutonium falling back down to so Earth So basically nuclear waste would be crashing back exactly. into the atmosphere. Exactly. So there was certainly a concern about that but as it stands right now, there's only been one instance of that falling back to Earth, and it was deliberate. It happened back in April. Was of that na- the Russians? No, it was okay. the Americans. Right. It would happen back in April of <laughs> 1970. <laughs> it was not the Taliban. The <laughs> Taliban didn't exist back in April 1970.
1: The uh, did in the fact, Taliban not exist
0: In fact, Ron Howard made a movie about this. It was called Apollo 13. We had one of these RTGs, this radioisotope thermoelectric generators, on the lunar module of Apollo thirteen. That's what powered the spacecraft, uh, once it was landed. And so what they would do or what they planned to do was to crash this the the Lem into a comp- into a part of Earth that would end up with this slug of plutonium basically Disintegrating the atmosphere and falling into a part of the Pacific Ocean that otherwise would not be touched by human hands or by mammals of many sorts. Fair enough. So fair we enough. Kind of dumped it into there. So and that basically, was if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, then uh, who cares? If it's a little plutonium yep. in the ocean, and no one's around to see and it. And that really was the only case we've had of these RTGs coming back to Earth. Thankfully. Apart from that, they're on the moon still. Wait, they're so this happened? Mo- yes,
1: absolutely. So it we went into the ocean. It did. And all
0: we've got since that is three eyed dolphins. Uh, we, well, okay, to be fair, we <laughs> blew up a
1: lot of nukes in the Dude, area. Are we've blown up. The we've, Navy has blown up so many nukes in the ocean.
0: In uh, the South Central <laughs> Pacific, ridiculous. we've blown up a ton of nukes. And as it turns out, we did that in Mississippi also. So if anyone's listening in Mississippi, So that's sorry. what's wrong with Mississippi. Yeah. We blew some nukes <laughs> up over there. And some people got cancer. Sorry about that, oh, guys. No. See, the cancer's not cool. It's true. <laughs>
1: um, all right. So we basically got our own kind of like my like Neil deGrasse Tyson Jr. here. This is great. This is great. Except when was the last time Neil deGrasse Jr. was... On a cruise ship, drinking wine on the <laughs> way to solar eclipse. Probably uh, not that season. long
0: ago. Let's be honest. You hear that, the Joey? Guy gets around. Mr. Rogan,
1: you got, you can hear that. See, we're doing our own thing over here. Wait, wait, Billy. Did you have what was going on, Billy? You're reaching for the mic, Billy. Billy, what's going on, Billy? It's okay, Billy. We're amongst friends, Billy. Hey, hey Billy.
2: Well, I just wanted to ask about uh, stuff entering our atmosphere. Don't they succumb to
0: the terminal velocity? They do. So we have this wonderfully thick atmosphere that protects us from all kinds of stuff that's happening in the solar system. As you can see, we have this great Earth with relatively few impact craters. Now, that said, we have this body that's relatively close to Earth with no atmosphere called the Moon. And those of you who have ever looked through a telescope at the Moon have probably seen a lot of little holes and craters all over that surface. Uh, and those of you who may have been lucky enough to fly on the other side of the moon, Michael Collins, I'm looking at you, and a couple other people as well. I uh, don't know if you're listening to this podcast. Um, Mike, if you're listening, let's let's talk at some point. But uh, yes, so we have this atmosphere that has protected us from the impacts, quite literally, of space debris that's around the uh, around solar system. That's why Earth has been relatively safe from the impacts and the devastating effects of these meteoroids that are through space um, that could potentially cause life-changing effects here on earth billy seems really
1: satisfied with that answer yes. he was like all right cool so we're all gonna die oh no, no we're all gonna be fine problem. but that was only the third worst thing you know it does seem though that the solar panel the solar panels to power the spaceships would be a little more sustainable and a little safer they
0: are the, the but not as powerful the the and that's exactly right the you big, don't get that boost you don't get that nuclear boost. The big downside with solar panels is they are entirely contingent on the sun so especially when you're landing on a place like the moon where you may have 14 days of on the dark sunlight side. Mm-hmm. exactly that's day, where you 14 got days on the dark side. Have some kind of benefit from having these solar uh sorry from having these rtgs that generate power while the sun isn't shining different
1: than rpgs by the way different
0: from rpgs yes. whether that is rocket propelled <laughs> grenade or role-playing <laughs> game for those you gamers out there we're not talking about that. we're talking about rtg which is radio isotope thermoelectric generator how's that for a mouthful which is fine on the dark side of the moon Indeed. And you don't need any sunlight for it because Indeed it powers itself. It is. It is a self-contained radioactive decay that's Sounds creating cute. electricity. Sounds cute. I mean, you could power a whole house with a smaller with a small version of that. You you actually genuinely could. Now that said, uh, if you actually acquired that chunk of plutonium to power that house, we probably need to be having a talk because you're probably going to jail. It's very illegal, right? How it's illegal? Incredibly how, illegal. How, how illegal is to have plutonium? I mean, plutonium let's for be honest. Operation. You're probably better off shooting somebody. <laughs> rather probably than more getting a chunk of plutonium. You're probably more likely <laughs> to get away with shooting somebody than getting a chunk of plutonium <laughs> that big. Because yeah, okay, that's not that hard. <laughs> so that's not that easy to get. So, plutonium,
1: plutonium is it's it's a it's
0: it's created through mined elements, correct? Plut- plutonium is an entirely artificial element. Uh, in oh, fact, so it's
1: not created from any ar- no r- naturally uh,
0: mined products. No, in fact, pretty much uranium p- is. Uranium is. Yeah. Uh, uranium is just about the heaviest element that we find naturally occurring here on Earth. So um, I should get a chain of it. Well, to, to, to I also flex. would not recommend that either. <laughs> a chain it's, it's also incredibly dense <laughs> it's and and. and, a and big carcinogenic, right? Yeah, re- it's, it's not pleasant <laughs> like stuff all your to be hair around. Let's. I mean, let's well, be looks honest. Well, like all our hair is already kind of. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we've got two guys here that just don't have much hair that are talking <laughs> back and forth, or uh, I should say, three guys here that don't have much hair that are talking back and forth. I promise, it's not. It's <laughs> okay. Like, I hear there's a direct us.
1: correlation between amount of hair follicles. And, like, IQ points, so it's, like, it's like the less hair follicles you have, the higher your IQ is. So we're good. We're
0: okay. Well, I'm in really bad company then. So, you know, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's go with that. You guys know a hell of a lot more than I do, if no. that's the case. But, yeah, uranium Uranium no, is about the heaviest little... element you find naturally occurring here on Earth. And, and one of the cool things— Also very illegal. Well, to acquire it? Mm. It's maybe probably a little bit less illegal than plutonium, uh, at least at least at the unrefined state of U-238. Because it's a natural product. Exactly. If you've got refined 235 uranium, we're, we probably need to have some talks between you and the feds because I don't know how you got in charge of that amount of material. Um, that said, one of the fascinating things about, again, we're talking about the universe, is that every element that we find here on Earth that is heavier molecularly than iron has only one place of formation and that is in the core of a supernova explosion. When a supernova happens, it creates a whole bunch of heavy elements. In fact it creates every element that could possibly wasn't, exist. Wasn't in the wasn't universe. there
1: try wasn't that what was trying to be created? Weren't they trying to replicate a, a supernova or a like a, an explosion and in CERN?
0: Not quite. So CERN, what it wasn't. That was something that they were, similar, though. They're trying to recreate a. It wasn't that they were trying to recreate a supernova per se, but that's how we discover physics. We just take hmm. two things, two <laughs> building blocks, and we smash it together as fast as we can see, and we see what comes out of it. Um, the end result being a set of hopefully new fundamental particles, and we can analyze their energies and figure <laughs> out what they could potentially do with the universe. Um, and and get,
1: go ahead. No, 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 no. I was going to say, and so basically, I, I'm still stuck on this plutonium thing. So basically, plutonium is very useful but highly illegal.
0: It indeed is highly, highly <laughs> illegal. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I certainly do not recommend you have plutonium hanging around. And if you do, you may want to talk to your local federal contractor because I don't know how you acquired that. And I can't condone the fact that you have plutonium lying around.
1: Well, but... W- it's. You're also saying that it's also really handy for powering things as a, cl- a form of clean. What could just click? Did you turn the mic off?
0: Then you turn it back Indeed on? Indeed, I oh, did. Oh, you just
1: do it while I'm talking. So
0: Indeed, you because I don't want my voice to be that Darth Vader voice.
1: No, it, it's it, it's fine. The predominantly the predominantly loud voice when talking will cancel out the other one in post production
2: one would hope
0: so Sputania. I am Vader Lord so, so Vader.
1: however as illegal it's also very useful and it's a good alternative to solar power when you're flying in places that don't necessarily have access to the sun in order to power the solar we, panels we have, so we have a bit of a conundrum here because some, it's legal for some people and it can't just be for government how to also be used in private business because private businesses often, often, you know.
0: Well, I would say it's 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 under the same kind of regulations ingenuity. to the fact that a private business isn't really allowed to have things like nuclear weapons under their own control. Whoa, whoa, whoa it's not a weapon unless it's uh, weaponized. Ah, well, we're talking, lot of the same we're talking about power, space technology. Especially, we're talking about the specific isotopes that are that are to power generate, spaceship. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about uh, plutonium two thirty nine. U-238, U-235, and so on and so forth. So there's isotopes out there that have the energy that could potentially be used to harness nuclear weapons and so on. Well,
1: sure. I mean, a gun could potentially be used to shoot someone in the head, too, but unless right. it's used but, for that, But in the illegal. same
0: way that, um, generally speaking, households that we have don't have things like howitzers at their availability. <laughs> they may have a rifle or two or maybe a... You know, if you're, if you're really weapons, lucky, a few uh, pistols and uh, maybe right, right, uh, right. But an we're automatic weapon about, or so. We're
1: talking about alternatives to clean energy that can help reduce
0: our carbon emissions. I would not recommend an RTG as an alternative to clean energy. Which is plutonium-based. Plutonium right. While it works and is incredibly reliable because of the fact that we're using effectively the Peltier effect to get energy out of that, the, the rate of energy recovery from the heat that is lost in that is very poor let's be perfectly honest uh, okay
1: so the energy generated is not the energy exactly. loss is not compensated enough by the energy generated to exactly make it worth the, the,
0: risk. the rtg is a very reliable source of energy but it's not and a and very would that efficient be the same would, would that be the same
1: for energy. uranium would that be true for uranium? absolutely so so much for nuclear power being a clean efficient and safe form well, of energy. well not quite because what we're well using, we just can't we just cancelled out
0: uranium and plutonium what else is left not quite So the difference is when we're talking about an RTG, we're looking at pure radioactive decay. When we're looking at a a nuclear reactor, we're looking at an enhanced, an artificially enhanced nuclear reaction that does not decay. That does not decay. It's Ooh. not decay necessarily. We are introducing neutron emitters that are creating energy when they create fission. That's happening within these nuclear within the fuel rods and a nuclear power plant. because
1: it's not decaying, can it potentially power itself for the foreseeable future, as in almost a, forever?
0: A nuclear power plant has the possibility of powering itself based on the based on the amount of fuel it has. For years or decades, depending on, again, how much fuel it has, how much coolant it has, and when and you so say on,
1: fuel, you're not talking about what people single thing of fuel is in gasoline fuel. No, we're, or talk, or when we're talking fuel. about fuel in a
0: nuclear reactor. We're talking about the amount of fissile material. Which so is uranium, what's initially put into it to make exactly, it work. Exactly. Right, uranium, plutonium, whatever it may be, whatever fissile material it is that is inside the core of the reactor to cause that fission reaction.
1: So are we saying that our only
0: path towards sustainable development
1: and powering of our future is radioactive? <laughs>
0: like, I would not say so. I mean, we've got so many technologies out there, especially things like solar power. We've got wind. We've got But solar power is not necessarily stable either.
1: That's what we're talking about. We're talking about fusion. That's what it is. Radio.
0: Well, unfortunately, with fusion, the we have yet to get to a point where we are able to extract more energy out of a fusion reaction than we have to put in to create that reaction So you're itself. not getting a
1: good return on
0: your investment. Exactly. Fusion is Bad a wonderful ROI. concept. and And there are still brilliant minds around the country, around the world, that are working on making fusion a viable concept. And if we get to the point where it could potentially work, it could be fantastic. It is an incredibly clean energy source. Of course, the only byproduct of fusion is helium. We're taking hydrogen William atoms. Well, yeah, that helium can be then used to power children's balloons, and they could fly into low or make our skies voices and so on, and we can sound like For real, like though, chipmunks.
1: there's literally, literally helium-powered vehicles, and it can be used as a substitute for other gases. Well, let's talk so that's about a hel- byproduct that can actually be a useful byproduct. Now, does helium add any CO2 or any dangerous side effects that... just dis- will destroy the atmosphere or is helium a nice clean byproduct that can be used to power other things?
0: From a fusion reaction helium is an incredibly clean byproduct. Hey! And, let, and let's talk about helium real quick. Since we're on this boat since we're going to watch an eclipse helium was first discovered <laughs> during a total solar eclipse hey! Someone Took a spectrum of the sun, and I apologize because I forgot the name, but I won't try and remember the That's guy's okay, he's name. Probably not alive it, was, it was someone back in the 1800s. Yeah, so he's not—he's not, he's not going to take offense. He dead. He he's totally did. He's not alive. He's—he's gone. He's not looking
1: down from heaven angrily but, at you right now.
0: But he discovered this wonderful thing called helium because he took a spectrum of the sun during a total solar eclipse and saw that there were emission lines that didn't match what he was expecting to see from anything he knew here on Earth. So there had to be a new element out there that existed on the sun's surface. So he called it the Greek name of the sun, Helios. Ah, uh, yes. And so that's how he came up with the name Helium, because Always it was goes discovered back to the Greeks. on the sun. Always goes back to and the sun. now a lot of two-year-olds have really fun birthday parties because they've got balloons that are filled with helium. What are you studying right now? Right now, I'm studying the amount of drink that's in front of me and the fact that my glass is about one-third full and it's been decreasing in quantity about every 30 seconds. Okay. Uh, What are you interested in right now? The drink in front of me is an old-fashioned. As far as what I'm interested in right now is photographing the solar eclipse because we are, at least us here on this boat, we are in a unique position of trying to chase something going into the Antarctic. We have this unique possibility of potentially, and I say cross fingers, I've been lucky so far and seeing, admittedly, fewer eclipses than most people on this boat. I'm at about three out of three eclipses, and uh, some others have seen 15, 20, and so on, um, more than more than that, and yet we have this possibility of being one of the few people alive that have seen an eclipse from the Antarctic Circle, which I'm really hoping to see here in the next about 27 hours or so. And it's really exciting to me. How many eclipses have you seen? Total eclipse. Total eclipses? Three. 2017 in the U.S., 2019 in Argentina, and 2020 in Argentina. So this might be your fourth? Weather permitting, seas permitting, All that natural, wonderful stuff permitting, this will be my fourth. Based on your science
2: and what you've learned, are you optimistic
0: about the future of our planet? There is a reason I don't have kids right now. And that reason I don't have kids is because I can't find a girl. It's not anything with the planet, but we'll, we'll, we'll skip that a little bit besides that so ladies if you're out there let's talk I'll give you my card
2: would you accept a arranged marriage
0: nope nope we're not talking about you're a. you're not my grandmother we've talked about that plenty if you were my grandmother sorry if you're listening but this is the podcast and technology so you, I know you're reverse technology so you wouldn't be listening to this why would you be listening to this because it's technology you don't even know what technology is that's how, sad how did you find yourself in Marietta, Georgia well, Georgia Tech is a really good school, and I ended up going there for engineering, and now I work in Atlanta after uh, somewhat coincidentally getting a job there, so I, I, I can't complain, it's, it's been decent. And I don't work any in astronomy at all. I just like all this cool astronomy stuff because that's what I've been into since I was, I don't know, five, six years old. What was the first constellation you
2: noticed? Orion
0: absolutely Orion Orion's Orion's been been my old friend for forever and I look forward to welcoming it every year once it comes into the northern skies and I say goodbye to it every spring when it goes away and I'll see it again the next year and I hope to have many more years in the future where I get to say hello to my old friend as it comes up and it's sub-friends of Betelgeuse, Bellatrix, Safe, and Rigel, along with Alnitak, Alnilam, and Mintaka, who are the stars of Orion. Do you acknowledge and appreciate the North Star? Polaris is kind of cool. You know, we happen to live coincidentally in this absolute perfect time in the universe where we have a star that is almost exactly at the North Celestial Pole. Uh, for those oh, listeners excuse who... Excuse me, you said almost? Yes, because Polaris is not exactly, truly, at the North Celestial Pole. The, the North Celestial Pole is, is super close to Polaris. It's maybe, I don't know, a few tenths of a degree off, maybe a half degree off from where, from where Polaris is. In other words, exactly. Uh, good enough for visual people. <laughs> But if we're talking aligning a telescope to do astrophotography, oh, no, oh, no, it's not far. It's not close enough at all. So uh, yes, the only thing the universe that's perfect is, in fact, the alignment of the sun, earth and the moon that causes these great solar eclipses. That is, as far as I'm aware, I don't know if you heard that woo on the over the microphone, but as far as I'm aware, that is the only truly perfect coincidence that we happen to have in this entire universe is the fact that the moon and the sun are exactly so far away and exactly the right sizes that we live in the spirit in history more, more, more. where we have total solar eclipses. Now, that said, the moon recedes from the earth every single year. So we are living in a very special time in this earth's history. There will be a time where there will no longer be a total solar eclipse. Every day, every minute, every second we pass, the moon is moving further and further and further away from the Earth, ever so slowly. And one day, the last total solar eclipse will happen, and hopefully people will be around to see it. And after that, that phenomenon will never occur again. Will the moon
2: escape our orbit?
0: Yes, eventually it will. Now, that said, my knowledge of rural mechanics and the math is not 100% certain on this. I don't know whether that's going to happen before the sun turns into a red giant and probably engulfs the Earth and everything in its place. And hopefully humanity has found a way out of here before then because we're all going to be really, really toast by that point if we stay here on Earth. But yes, there's a a distinct possibility that... um, uh, that the moon would would eventually escape the earth i thought one more uh, very predictable
2: event was the transit of venus can you speak to that
0: it is it is eminently predictable we've actually predicted them with incredible certainty for the next many hundred years i've been fortunate enough to have view to have viewed the the Two that are visible in, within my lifetime, one was in 2004, one was in 2012, and it will not happen again while I am alive, unfortunately, um, unless Bill Gates injects more of those 5G microchip robots into my body in and tandem able-
1: with Elon Musk and early. Yes, so.
0: yes, a- and and once I have those 5G microchip. Oh, okay, okay, you've got 5G like robots. Yes.
1: So you know what's actually interesting about that, is that um, no, no, it is, it is because people say. Hold on. hold on hold on hold on hold on first of all there's a difference between microchips and transmitters because IBM Which you may or may not be aware of Recently had a press release where they had come out with nano transmitters which We can get into if we want to we don't have to That are small enough to fit 10 billion of them in the space of a thumbnail
0: are You were that's um Seems to be an enormously large amount to, to fit those transistors in, considering that. So
1: you think that's actually too large for these nanoparticles? Of course,
0: we're talking about microchips that use transistors at this point that are at the five nanometer scale. And
1: how, at a five nanometer scale, how many could you fit in a thumbnail? More than 10 billion?
0: Let's 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 talk about this. I'm looking at my thumbnail right now, and I would say it's about yes, a you centimeter are. across. Let's go with one that. centimeter is about uh, 10 millimeters. 10 millimeters is about 10,000 micrometers. So we're
1: talking about 10,000 square micrometers?
0: Not square. I'm just talking about across, not square. Okay, so 10,000 across. We've got 10,000 micrometers. So, so 10, we've got 10,000
1: micrometers by one centimeter? Yes. Okay.
0: Let's add another. Uh, a few orders of magnitude to do that. So we've got, let's say, what? To how many X are we going adding? Oh, from ten thousand, we'll be going to uh, ten million. So thousand X. Yes. Okay. We're talking ten million okay. micrometers. Okay. I'm still with you. Oh, uh, sorry, ten million nanometers across. Okay.
1: Ten million nanometers.
0: So the amount of detail we, uh, the amount of information we could fit in that small area is absolutely immense. Now we're talking about just across. We need to add uh, volume to it. Immense is a very it.
1: vague amount.
0: It is, but the smallest nanometer processes that we have right now are on about the five to seven nanometer scale.
1: Okay, so f- so you're, ta- you're saying the smallest size of a, of a nanometer, of, of a nanotransmitter, is five nanometers?
0: Let's say it's about five.
1: Okay, so if the smallest nanotransmitter that can be produced is five na- nanometers?
0: Smallest transistor. Tra-
1: smallest transistor that can be reduced is 5 nanometers.
0: Am I correct that, so that, far? that would be a, a valid statement to make okay. at this point.
1: Okay, so how many of those transmitters can you fit in a thumbnail? A space the size of a thumbnail. Quite a
0: lot. Over 10 billion? Yeah, we're, we're, we're getting up there. So what we're, what we're trying to do All right, is... So
1: that's, that's what I mean. So that's like... That's the issue with, like, these super hardcore conspiracy theories is they hear some information somewhere that speaks on 10 billion transmitters, nanotransmitters being able to fit in a thumbnail, and they think that translate into, translates into every transmitter is able to send secret messages to their body or whatever the fuck they think. You See what I'm saying? Like, there is a bit of truth in there. There's, like, a little nugget of truth that they build this whole building of
0: delusion out of. And yet, we have multiple quadrillion microbacteria within our bodies. Yeah, but those are organic,
1: those are organic microbacteria. They are. That's the issue. People have an issue with foreign entities and foreign particles
0: being in their body. But we ingest them every day. We breathe the air. We eat food. We have all these kinds of foreign objects that enter our bodies every single day. And our bodies have this wonderful system of being able to protect ourselves and being able to regulate what we do and what how we act to our environment in a way that maintains a state of homeostasis amongst our bodies yes yes the human body truly is an absolutely wonderful thing similar to the absolute well, thing had a that's going to happen in about 26 hours oh uh, are we getting down to it we are getting down to oh it we God. are motoring towards the at, south orkney islands at 18 islands.
1: knots an hour Direct southeast at eighteen knots an hour directly to the, the moment of totality. What's a
0: knot? Why? Knots. Is That's it not correct. eighteen
1: knots an hour? It's
0: not eighteen knots an hour.
1: How is it how do they judge it? How is it just eighteen knots?
0: Because a knot is a measure of speed. A nautical mile is a measure of distance and they are both intimately related. Okay, so you would say however many nautical miles per hour. You could say have nautical miles per hour, but that is simplified into a value we know as a knot. So a nautical mile is essentially a knot? Correct. A not, well a nautical mile is a measure of distance. A knot is a measure of speed in which we traverse that distance. Right but a speed has to be equated to distance somehow. Yes. And the only way to equate it to distance is to relate it to time. Exactly. It's, it's a different it's a different measure of, uh, of measuring speed. Rather than saying miles per hour you know we've got a let's talk about miles. One mile is a measure of distance one nautical mile is a measure of distance one mile per hour is a measure of speed and one knot is the word we use for the speed when we're talking about nautical miles ah so so it's you could just because so it's already simplified so you just say one knot. it's already abbreviated one knot is the the shorthand for one nautical mile. so
1: essentially it's the same thing it's just longhand shorthand
0: precisely so
1: we are going one knot to a cool mile an hour! No, we I mean, are, we are going 18 knots. We are motoring miles along an hour.
0: at about 18 knots right now towards our eclipse site. We should be with Barreling through. We should be within the path of the, the open totality ocean. by tomorrow morning. We should be close to no, the center no, 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 We should be close to the center line by well, tomorrow Well, technically
1: night. tonight. Technically in about... No, yeah, technically about twenty in about 22 hours.
0: 20, $22. I, I spoke to our group and the uh the navigators earlier today and we are we will be within the eclipse the total path, not the center line, but the path by tomorrow morning. We but will not be, the path of totality. Not the no, line of No, Within the path of totality, but oh, by yeah. the edge of the path of totality tomorrow Fine. morning. But we will be close to the center line by tomorrow night.
1: And so what's up with the captain? No, no. What do you mean, no, no, no? We'll be, we'll be in the center line by 10 a.m. What? What are you talking about? That's not at all what the captain said, nor no, what it we'll seems to appear to be. Have you
0: looked at the map? Do we need at, to go up to the panoramic lounge right now and have a view? At, at this point, one of the struggles that we're working with is mitigating the effects of sea conditions versus cloud conditions. Because... Oh, we, my um, God, dude. I don't like that word clouds at all. Un- unfortunately, right and it and, and is the... The really unfortunate C word we've got to be talking about on this trip, among other unfortunate sea words, we are heading C-word, as it turns out. But we are moving towards the sea and seaward at a rate of about 18 knots. We <laughs> are, ah, there you go, there you go, no, you I get am. the joke now. <gasps> we are. Having to play this balancing act between getting decent cloud conditions and decent wave conditions. Because let's be honest, we're on a boat. The clouds don't matter for the safety of everyone on this boat. Yeah, that's what I didn't like what the captain said that, actually. And yet what we have to focus with is the ability of the boat to get to a location that is safe and stable. for the operation of the boat. Do we have tech? Do we have tech? Does the
1: captain have tech?
0: Is he in coordination and
1: communication with someone that has tech? Are we looking at sat images of cloud cover to
0: position ourselves in a place? Absolutely. The, yeah! The, <laughs> the unfortunate thing, though, is oh. because of where we are in in this world, conditions change almost on an hourly basis. Yeah, because
1: of, because of the winds. And I'll be honest, I've been That's looking true.
0: at weather forecasts uh, oh, nice. throughout the day as well. The, the map that I looked at this morning for the time frame of the eclipse Doppler. on Saturday morning, both in terms of waves and cloud cover, because of course we're on a boat, so waves matter. Swell, yes. Exactly. Um, that forecast has changed within the uh, 12 to 18 hours That's I'm amazing. looking to watch right now. The 12 to 18 hours that I've looked at it today. So, And, and speaking with other expedition leaders on this boat, it's, it's the same concept of... No one trusts weather forecasts until about 12 to maybe 8 hours before we're actually there. Things change so rapidly. It was rigged. In this Antarctic environment that despite our best guesses, despite our best computer models, air may not work that way because, let's be perfectly honest, we have no way of actually mapping the movement of each molecule of air. And the movement of one or two molecules might change the course of everything over the path of the and the biggest uh, and what's eclipse. the biggest factor of that the wind conditions the wind is a major factor the wind whips up sea conditions uh the sea has currents that are moving through the drake passage we uh, are in the unfortunate position in this particular case of being uh, a little bit east of the passage of the drake passage which is one of the narrowest passages worldwide for a major ocean current to pass through the uh, the Antarctic so current. So the water's pumping. The water's moving, it's bringing a lot of energy through it, it's bringing a lot of heat. It's bringing a lot of cloud cover, it's bringing a lot of precipitation through it. What an intense place to be just in general. It is. And and that is the the craziness of being around here. We are <laughs> on so a boat. Wild. We are on we are in, currently in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean while moving eating towards caviar soufflés. All right, okay, we may have been eating some caviar and souffle because that's kind (laughs) of delicious, but let's talk about the eclipse because the eclipse is better. So we're talking about getting ourselves into the right position to view this, this fantastic natural phenomenon. Which,
1: yeah, so we're dealing with some very powerful elements. The current is
0: only an issue in regards to the threat it may pose for the swells. The swells are a major concern. The swells are the biggest concern as far as the safety of the vessel goes. Because as far as the captain and his crew are thinking, the swells make the biggest difference in where we can be. And And we don't want to capsize, right? Exactly. Not likely the boat will do anything like that. But we still need to be cognizant of the operating limits of the vessel itself. So safety, of course, is the number one concern moving on from that. The secondary concern is cloud cover. So as long as we can operate in a regime that is safe for the boat, we can hunt for the best. We can cloud maneuver into a position. And that's one of the advantages that we have. Being and the captain is definitely focused on that, right? He's he not is. just like it's
1: not like kind of like a distant second, because when he gave his introduction tonight at the captain's welcome event, you you were there with the fam absolutely saw you were like we, ro- we saw them you were all. there in row three you were attentive precisely yeah yep. and you were you guys were focused and you heard what he said in his very short speech correct and he was like safety of the boat is number one and we're going to be near the line of totality but we may move if we have to and it sort of struck me as like when he says move he doesn't necessarily move he, he's going to like try and move to stay with the line of totality if possible right he's not just going to move East or west, he'll, he'll in general try to move north and south if he can't that, stay in the line of that,
0: that, That's roughly correct. I mean, there, there is some leeway we can move east or west uh, with, to give us a better chance of clouds uh, and maybe some better sea conditions as well. But that said, the, the ideal scenario is moving north or south, try and find the best place yeah. we can because north or south has a lesser impact in the length of totality than does moving east or west. Exactly.
1: And there's more room for maneuvering because exactly. we can go farther north and south we, than we, we can go usually. Unfortunately, east a bit
0: of a, de- a delay leaving the port. Um, yeah, due to COVID. Uh, yeah, two right. people. So
1: the the past the 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 group that was on this boat that we're
0: on, and we were only the
1: second group to be on this boat this season, this entire since COVID.
0: That's right, since COVID. You're right, since 2020.
1: We're literally one of the first groups of people to be going to Antarctica since COVID started. Yeah. And on the first boat, the boat right before us, a mother and a daughter tested positive for COVID. So that group had to redirect. I mean, there was no eclipse. Eclipse wasn't part of it. Had to regroup to King George because King George island is one of the only areas that has a full size landing strip and they had to bring in an airplane to evacuate these two people and that's why when we got back to port we were delayed because Chilean authorities had to retest everybody on the boat and wait for those retests, those test results to come back and because there was a positive test with that mother and daughter, they couldn't just do the, the casual rapid test antigen, they had to do the full on PCR swab
0: exactly and pcr so, is not exactly the the most efficient or fast way of doing things but it is so accurate. we had
1: a 10 hour delay approximately Absolutely. right
0: so 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 safety i, I mean again whether what whether we're talking about waves we're talking about covid safety <laughs> of course is paramount in this entire endeavor um and and part of eclipse chasing is Knowing that you are at some point going to be affected by the unknown, and you're
1: completely at the mercy of the elements. One
0: of the, the, the it's amazing. One of the tragic beauties of these eclipses is that they are so fleeting. We, uh, or I should say, I spoke to a couple that prior or prior to the 2017 eclipse had flown down from New York to Nashville. They went to the Nashville Science Center to watch the eclipse the National Science Center had this, this giant display with the uh, live streams of the eclipse along with interactive acti- activities for the kids and so on and so forth. And it was a great day and the sun was great and you know, beautiful clear sky until about 10 minutes before the eclipse. And about 10 minutes before totality, actually totality, not the eclipse as far as when the partial phase was happening, but 10 minutes before totality, a cloud moved in right over the sun. And the couple I talked to said that they were there. They saw everything around them get really dark, and they saw everything around them get really bright once again, once the sky lightened up after the eclipse. But they never saw the solar eclipse. They never saw the corona. That's horrible. They never saw the diamond rings. That's They horrible. never saw Bailey's beads. The and ring is, is literally
1: the most amazing, beautiful, power, addic- powerful, addictive visual thing I've ever seen in my uh, entire having life. Having
0: seen three eclipses so far, I would freely agree in that. Scene. I don't even know what's a
1: close second. People are like,
0: "Oh, the northern lights." I'm like,
1: eh, nah. "I've seen the
0: northern lights." Yeah, they're cool. The the, the the northern lights are amazing. Yeah, great. It's it's cool. It's not the ring, but it it didn't drop me to my knees like the ring did. You know what? A lot of it has to do with, is the fact that like so much of our life is dependent on the sun, right? Massive it Grows the crops. Everything we do, let's be honest, everything we do is only possible because of the sun. Whether it's fueling our cars, uh, yeah, whether yeah. it's eating the food we do, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh,
1: sunbathing,
0: what, whatever oh, yeah. we do.
1: Oh, it's, it's all comes, Every meal we eat is fed by the sun. Yeah. So, so this being said,
0: and it's so powerful, you cannot just go outside and take a look at the sun.
1: No, you, it's going to, so, it is gonna fry your retinas so basically
0: yes please 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 do not look at the sun unfiltered. <laughs> this is not professional let's, this is not medical advice this. this this is the true official statement do not look at the sun unfiltered please use a filter when you look at the So sun.
1: this being said the only time that we can truly look at the pure beauty at the raw unfiltered light of the sun without barriers and restrictions and confinements and contraptions is during that few minutes of fleeting moments of a total solar eclipse. And I think that there's a, something very powerful and addictive about that because we're able to purely be
0: in that moment and take in that visual light without any interference. There is. And, and there's something, like I said, truly special about that where you can you can pop your glasses off, your glasses, you can look at the sun. It's the best
1: moment ever! Because you're looking, you're looking, and it's going, and then it's black, and you're like, huh, and you pick up the glass.
0: You can look at the sun unaided. Give the ring, there shall be only one. And you see to your own naked eyes the prominences, the solar flares, the corona that's happening around the sun, and these brilliant features that you otherwise would not be able to see. Because we have this one fleeting moment where the moon is passing in front of the sun and is blocking out all that that incredibly bright light from the and photosphere. That color,
1: and that color, that like electric, reddish, bluish. That's
0: exactly what it is. It is It is that red. It is In fact, it's a very specific red. It's the red that is 656.3 nanometers. It is the emission line that we call hydrogen alpha that's leaving the sun's surface of these from these solar flares and these prominences and and so on, that we see these phenomena that are happening on the sun's surface that we can only see with the naked eye during a solar eclipse. And that's what led us to these great scientific discoveries, of things like helium and so on and so forth. So it's a truly special experience. Dietz, leaving the engineering behind and the mathematics,
2: what kind of experience is it for you to see a
0: total eclipse? It is one of the very few experiences in my entire life that I would say is awesome to the truest extent of the definition of that word. It is unbelievable. The entire phenomenon, let's step through it. You go through partial phases. The partial solar eclipses are nothing spectacular. You've seen it before. You've seen the sun kind of get a bite, uh, a a chunk taken out of it as we go through it. But then you get to about 90% partial. And at about that point, things start looking a little weird. My best recollection of it is that when you get to about 90% partial, it's like looking through a screen door. You can see everything, but nothing looks sharp because you've got an entirely different quality of light leaving the sun as it passes through that crescent that's behind the moon. Uh, and it's hitting the Earth. So you've got this really strange light that's hitting the ground. You know something is up. Something strange is about to happen. You can't tell what it is. You can't tell why it is, but we know something's about to happen. And from there on, things happen very quickly. We get the last few percentage for totality. You've got your eclipse glasses up and you're seeing those last chunks of the sun getting eaten away as that moon progresses over the surface. And... At this point, things start noticeably getting darker. You start seeing stars pop up in the sky. you start seeing the sky at the ground get noticeably darker second by second. you start seeing phenomenon that you've known from of the solar eclipses, things like the shadow bands that'll pass through the ground surface. you'll start seeing the uh, the diamond ring effect, the Bailey's beads as they start uh, appearing as Sunlight passes through crevasses and mountains uh, along the moon's surface because the moon is not a, is not a perfect sphere. It's not smooth. It's got these jagged edges to it. And so as the moon traverses across the sun and you start seeing these rays of sunlight passing through every single little hole that you have on the moon. That's what we're seeing with these Bailey's beads. And then eventually you get to, to, to totality and you see this brilliant moment where the sun is fully obscured and all you're seeing is the external atmosphere of the sun. The parts of the sun that you cannot see without blocking out the brilliantly bright photosphere that we see every single day of our lives. But beyond that photosphere are a couple of layers of the sun's surface, the chromosphere and the corona. The corona is a thousand times hotter than the photosphere is. And it's this brilliant layer of gas that expands into space, and it's controlled by the magnetic field of the Sun. And that is the truly magnificent component that is different every single time you watch an eclipse. I've seen three now, and I can remember in detail each one that I've seen. 2017 was school, it had a couple, uh, from, the, from the Northern Hemisphere where I watched it, had a couple vertices that went down, had one that went up over the Sun's surface, 28, uh, sorry, 2019 was honestly kind of bland. We were in a solar minimum. We had very little in the way of uh, coronal formation. You had a coronal um, pattern that went to the right of the sun. You had one that went to the left of the sun, and that was kind of it. And then we got to 2020, where we were lucky to come to Argentina to watch the eclipse happen in 2020. And 2020 was visually the most spectacular, where you had four solar flares on each Effectively, each of the quadrants of the sun visible throughout totality. You had a solar storm visible off the side of the sun that was casting this giant coronal mass ejection out into space. You even had, for those people who were using wide angle cameras, a comet. Visible in that same field of view a Sun grazer comet that could be seen approaching the Sun's surface Not visible with a naked eye or even even maybe through binoculars But if you knew exactly where to look there was something that looked not quite like a star That was this comet approaching the Sun and so every single eclipse is different because the Sun Truly changes day by day and it's one of the few things in this in the skies that do change so quickly and so violently in some cases, these solar flares we're talking about that I saw on sun surface, those four solar flares. Each one of those flares is bigger than the Earth.
1: And it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible how the magnificence of these eclipses and the eclectic array of different individuals they bring out from all these various walks of life. And the fact that it's such a great equalizer in the sense that it, is, it doesn't matter... How many degrees you have, or how much money you earn, or how powerful your connections may be in the world, you have those few minutes, those few moments, and you can't fast forward to it. You can't rewind it when it's done. That's what it is, and that's what you get. And it's just such a testament to the power of those eclipses. And on that note, we're going to have to wrap this up because the battery's getting low. I'm about to order a tuna ni wrap. We want to have some casual conversations off air. And, oh, the missus has got some private questions. Do you want to ask on air? Oh, she's like, no, 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 I'm ask off air. So, um,
0: do you want to. Uh, Introduce yourself I guess I will My name is Aditya Madhavan I go by Deech Because it's really A lot simpler to pronounce Than Aditya is um, I've been An astronomy nerd Since the 90s Since I was a very young kid And I am Absolutely ecstatic To be here With this group of people And hopefully In about 27 hours Get to see this Amazing phenomenon One more time That we call Solar Eclipse And if not you know what, we we gave it a good run. We're going to give it uh, a shot to get to Antarctica and uh, see this last forbidden continent. And if we don't get to see the eclipse, we'll have to regroup again in 2023 or 2024 and do this whole thing again. And that's the cool thing is that we are living in this magnificent time where eclipses happen.
1: You know, I was on my my balcony uh, yesterday around this time. I was on the balcony my... Yesterday around 3 a.m. It's like about 2 a.m. now. About 3 a.m. yesterday, looking at where the sun was going to rise, and it was this clear line of horizon, and there was these color tones and the way they are in the ocean, and I could visualize that ring and exactly where it would be and the five to six degrees above the horizons, on the open oceans that would sit, and I felt really good. And I said, you know what? This is power, and we're gathered, and we're united, and we're going for it. And at the end of the day, it is sort of like a testament of faith. And I'm not saying it's a faith to Jesus or a, a faith to. It is iPhones. I mean, it's it's just it's it's like it's an undefinable, undescribable, undiscriminative faith to the existence of our being and the uniting of the sun and for the moon. We're
0: chasing these eclipses, and, and I. I wouldn't have appreciated it till I till I saw it for the first time. Is is truly a special experience in in trying to seek out these fleeting moments of totality. And Man. let's be honest, Dude, any, we're any in the given middle of person, the ocean. We are barreling towards Antarctica in a giant ship. And and during okay. the middle of a pandemic. Let's be honest. At least for me, I don't know how many cruises <laughs> you've been on. I don't know how many cruises anyone else who's been listening has been on. This is my first ever time on a cruise boat. I have never been on a cruise so far away from land before. We're in the middle of the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean, barreling there. towards the Southern we're Ocean, way, so we can watch this eclipse. We are
1: way out here. There is like giant kraken squid below us. Oh, this guy, this guy's gonna read our song. There's let's let's si- sign off. Do you want to ring it for? You want to hear it? All, all right, right, guys. We're gonna, go we're gonna, sing gonna try song and squeeze now. this song in. We're gonna sing it all together. I'm gonna delay the the outro theme song for another minute or two. Hold on, this song is by I know this guy definitely wants to stay anonymous, so we're just gonna say this is uh, by Mr. Mr. Billy. Mr. Billy, we're all gonna sing it together. Here you go. You wanna lead us off? Yes. Okay, let's go. Ready?
2: We'll rant and we'll we'll roar to Newfoundlanders. Rant and we'll roar on deck and below. We don't don't got got the COVID COVID Antarctica Antarctica beckons, beckons. so... It's straight through the... the, Straight straight through the... the,
1: the, the We'll we'll go. go. And that's where we're going. One way to the Orkney Islands. Only the second ship post pandemic to do this, and the first and only for a long time. Well, guys, to you do know it what? with a total solar eclipse.
0: If we don't make it, we got about 18 years of the next sorrow cycle passes. We're going to make it.
1: We're making it. We're headed there. And thank you for listening to another episode of Real Talk Stories where everyone's got a story. Sending tales from 20,000 leagues under the sea to how many miles up in the sky is the sun? It's
0: about 93 million miles away.
1: Hey, 93 million miles from 20,000 leagues under the sea to 93 million miles up into space. Sending you lots of peace and love. Ciao.